It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and delivery only through our website blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, the old frost seems to be gone for the time being anyway. I love the frosty weather, to be honest with you. The old drizzly stuff back. Not the best for getting out and about. But I hope you had a nice weekend and made the most of the restrictions with some outdoor walks. Plenty to keep you going, I'm sure, indoors. And we're going to be talking about something that's uh, so important to so many people a little later on in the show. Yes, Jackie Jolliffe from the Crafty Fox is with us because crafts, including knitting, crochet, all that type of stuff is really flying at the moment. We're going to chat to Jackie a little later on. We've lots of guests for you on the show over the next couple of hours. But when I tell you a little story to begin, you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, each year it's become just a, a standard at Christmas time on late lunch. And we've done it for years and years. We try to select the best Christmas pudding in the Northeast. And again, this year, 2020 gone by, we had a great response from listeners. And the puddings come in near enough to the closing date, which was the 18th of December this year. And we had a great response. And Eileen O'Rourke was the winner this year of the pudding competition. But lo and behold, wait till I tell you, folks, on Friday, last Friday, the 8th of January, a pudding arrived out of the blue, beautifully wrapped in a lovely little box, Open it up inside, the foil on it, the wrapping on it, a beautiful little small wee pud, but beautiful, all oh, the smell off it again. But last Friday, the 8th of January. So we had the uh, maker's details. Yes, Claire in Kilbeg outside Kells in County Meath. And we gave her a shout and she told us she actually posted the, the uh, pudding in Kells. Listen to this. On the 14th of December, which was the Monday, the closing date was the 18th. So that should have given the pud plenty of time to make its way to us, but it didn't. So where was this pudding all this time? Can Anna McHugh, Head of Corporate Communications with Unpost, throw any light on the conundrum? Hello, Anna. Hello, Jerry. Oh, dear. I'm very sorry to hear about this. And I'm really <laughs> sorry for it to Claire as well, because we don't like to hear stories like this. The lost lonely pudding all over Christmas, obviously, <laughs> sitting somewhere um, in one of our depots um, and most likely in processing because I know that the team both in, in, in Dundalk and Drogheda and right across Loud were flat out and cleared out all the Christmas mail that they got just before Christmas. Um, we've never had volumes like this, but I am so sorry uh, to hear that. Um, 
And I don't have a magic wand or a crystal ball to know where where it was or did it go somewhere astray. But I would say that um, we've never seen a, a Christmas or indeed an autumn like it in terms of volume because a couple of weeks before Christmas, whereas last year we, we delivered, and that was a record in itself, we delivered last year, as in 2019, um, maybe about a million parcels in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And that had broken wow. all records. But Christmas just gone, that was nearly three million um, uh, that we were delivering. So Three uh, between, times. Oh, it was, yeah, between the move online, particularly the level five lockdown that came in the last part of the year. Um, it was just astonishing because people were buying ahead of sending Christmas presents. They were also buying Christmas presents, but they were also buying essentials. And, you know, a lot of them are back to that now at the moment again. So we've never seen anything like it. And because people haven't seen family and friends, um, you know, for a year and haven't got to see them over the summer, there was people sending packages and little parcels and all sorts of lovely things, um, you know, that otherwise they would have been handing over in person. Yes. But we basically became the delivery service for everything. And, Indeed um, you have. We've never never seen the like of it. But look, obviously there's people are going to be disappointed. And just announced today as well, because we did a big check across, literally across the world over kind of last week as to the state of play. And there's a couple of things. There's going to be letters and Christmas parcels and Christmas cards arriving into Ireland from all over the world, I would say, until at least the end of January. And, really? And similarly, there are items that were posted as back as far as the beginning of December to far-flung places across Europe and across the world, and they are still in transit. Um, okay. And that is mainly due to the crisis levels of COVID that we're seeing. For example, there are so few flights now across the world because of COVID that there is a fraction of the usual space on airplanes for letters and parcels. Usually there's ample space. So as a result, um, we're getting stuff out by, by sea into parts of Europe and then onto planes, but we have to use our, our time and there's backlog at ports. And this isn't even mentioning the B word, mentioning the Brexit word, not even going there. This is simply down to COVID. And at every step of the way, there's restricted working. There's people, you know, staggered teams, the shortages. And then you get into the local areas and you're hitting, in some areas, local lockdowns, mail suspension. I mean, it is an absolute mess across the world. Um, so unprecedented so, uh, times we're talking about here, Anna, right across the world, just not in Ireland. So from the perspective, when you think of that, one million to three million, the restrictions in in terms of flights and getting stuff in and out of the country. And of course, as you said there, the Brexit thing on top of it all and all that that's brought with it. We were talking to Jill Kirby actually on late lunch about that on Friday and, and what's involved there. But look, at here's the thing, just back to Claire for a moment. Look, at she, I spoke to her today and uh, she's understandable of it at all. She said, look, at uh, you have it now anyway. It missed the competition deadline date. One thing just to speculate about, and I was talking to Tom McGuire. You know Tom well in, uh, in Drogheda there. Yeah. Yes, a great fellow. And Tom was just speculating. Our address is Rathmullen Road, Drogheda. And you know Rathmullen and Donegal. Mm-hmm. I wonder would there be any chance it went astray and, you know, went all over the place. I'm, I'm only speculating, sure. I'm only, you know, 
it could it's happen. Clutching at straws. It wouldn't happen because our, our sourcing staff, you know, they're experts. But sometimes yes. when volumes are huge and the pressure is on, um, and pressure like we've never seen, these things can happen. Um, I, it, it, I, you know, I'm sorry to hear about it and, um, and, and for Claire as well. And uh, to be honest with you, no more than Christmas, I mean, on a day, those of a grey day like this, it is putting it be very welcome, I'm sure, <laughs> in lots of houses today, even though we're all on the verge now and, uh, and, and trying to get back on the straight and narrow. But, um, I, you know, I do apologise. Yeah. You know, ah, look, you're our, fine. Our I know. Are, 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 are a lot, you know, are really running well. But I would say also that our staff locally are working in staggered teams, working in pods, starting at different times, trying to balance family and elder care and all kinds of things. So everybody's just doing what they can. But we, we hate yeah. to hear about, you know, where people are disappointed like that. Um, and we apologise, but I think we'll all have to bear with it for another while. We do. We do, Anna. And the other thing to say is, when you mention your staff there, I'd like to say this. For an awful lot of people in this country, and especially here in the northeast, the postman and post women who deliver, uh, who are right out on the ground there, are sometimes the only people that people come in contact with any day. And uh, especially at this time, you're, you're doing a great job. I want to say this to you because I've heard great feedback about the postal staff and how good they are saying hello. Just that face to say hello to in the day. Well, look, there's no doubt our staff are exceptional and working in exceptional circumstances as well. Uh, and it's not easy for them when they're picking up their mail in depots and they're doing it all in all weathers. But that's what we do. We're proud to do it. But we do appreciate it's been, been recognised as well. And all of those services that we have in place, you know, um, the free post into nursing homes, the check-ins, you know, if you're short of a stamp, if you're elderly, if you're living alone, you don't have a stamp, don't worry about it. We'll take your letter. We'll post it for you. All of those services, you know, are going to continue on, um, you know, throughout the COVID crisis. And we said we're there for the long haul and we certainly will be um, because... Um, it, it, it's a little bit even more difficult this time and particularly, you know, shorter days and darker days and the like. So, um, you know, I'm proud to do it. I'd also say that there's a whole army of people who are in the sorting side, who are in mail centres and driving trucks that nobody ever sees maybe, but they're doing, they're the engine of the whole operation as well. And they're supporting the postmen and women that you see out on the, on the highways and byways. So we'll continue to do that, Joe. Anna, listen, I'm grateful uh, that you were able to join me today because I know it is a very busy time. And look, this is the exception to the rule for sure. And we hear your apology. And, you know, there's a silver lining in this for me, Anna, because, you see, my pudding eating season has been extended now because I'm in possession. Well, listen, isn't it well for you? You know, well, the rest (laughs) have cleared cleared the cup. We're trying to, you know, have a glass of water when we see um, I, you know, I, I, apologies again. Just one, one thing you mentioned there about Brexit. Um, you know, the vast majority of those of those UK retailers who sell into Ireland and have customers here um, are, are are going to make it as simple as possible for for mm. uh, their customers here. And we've been working with them, and you'll be able to see all those charges at the checkout if you're buying something. And um, it's great to see the number of Irish companies coming through as well. You know, in terms of buying local and supporting local. Let's continue with that. But if you have any queries, if you're sending anything to the UK, if you're sending a parcel, you're not sure what to do, check at the local post office. They have the details. Or indeed at localpost.com. You can do stuff online as well. But that customs documentation, it all has to be done online now. And that was going to happen regardless of Brexit. So, um, but, the, but the local post office, they have the details and they can help you out and give you the advice 
um, that you need. So nothing to be afraid of there. It's just a slightly, you know, slightly trickier, but it is settling yeah. down and uh, it'll become easier over the next number of weeks. It certainly will. Anna McHugh, Head of Corporate Communications, Win on Post. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Jerry. That's Anna McHugh there. Yes, the pudding. It's sitting here beside me. It's just sitting. I'm looking at it here. <clears throat> I might go out and make a cup of tea now and have a piece of it. Yes, I am in possession. I love pudding. I really do. I'll have to get some more custard at this stage. Ah, oh, Claire, I know she's listening today. I'm sorry your pudding didn't make it on time. We'll have to make it up to you in some little way. I'll have a chat with Eamon about that, but we'll do something. I promise you. You should have been in the competition and judged. And it's a lovely pud. It's really moist and you've... Plenty of everything I like in it as well, and I enjoy it. And I thank you for sending in your pudding to us again. 24 days from the 14th of December until it arrived in LMFM on the 8th of January. What about you? You're listening to us this afternoon on the show. Anybody experience a delay similar to that? I wouldn't say you'd be able to top that 24 days, would you? I don't think so. Uh, Dan's been on to say he got a letter on the 4th posted on the 18th for a hospital appointment on the 5th of January. Well, I don't think you would have been heading to that appointment anyway, to be honest, which is the way things were. But that was a slight delay there. Well, a bit of a delay in the letter as well from the hospital for an appointment. Anybody else with anything to say about a parcel they didn't get or they're expecting a long time frame waiting for it to arrive if you have give us a shout i'd love to hear from you this afternoon on the show 086 1800 658 whatsapp or text me that's 086 1800 658 or you can call in on 1850 715 958 the frost i mentioned the frost at the top of the show by god it was cold over the weekend i got into the car was it yesterday or Saturday morning? Saturday, I think it was. It was minus six. That's the lowest I've seen it on the car. Six degrees below zero. But there's one big positive, folks. Well, there's many positives. The lovely frosty, cool, dry weather. One I discovered on Saturday. You see, our Messi, you know my Messi, my dog? He'll be 10 next birthday. Where has though have those years gone? He is the run of our garden. And, of course, he does east. He does his doggy doos in the garden and I pick them up regularly. You shouldn't leave them around anyway. But this week, one thing or another, I didn't get out. But there they were, his doggy doos on the grass, fully frozen. Oh, what a joy picking them up for a change. Ready, frozen and all into the bag, into the bin. That's the way you want it. That's another benefit. I was just thinking of real frosty weather. Anyway, first break of the week on Late Lunch coming up. And afterwards, the Christmas lights. Lots of people still keeping them up. No doubt about it. There are delays and we're hearing from you. Keep the messages coming to us. 086-1800-658 by text. Lorraine Cunningham's been on. Happy New Year, Lorraine, to you from Blaney Blades and Dulique Women's Forum. And she just wanted to say a big thank you to On Post for the free cards. They were much appreciated. And I do know, Lorraine, you're right there. So many people were delighted with that wonderful gesture. Jerry, I sent a parcel, a parcel to Australia on the 29th of November. It still hasn't been received. It normally takes seven to ten days, uh, but it's not there yet. Uh, however, uh, there's no panic over it. It will arrive at some stage. Hi, Jerry. It took three weeks for my birthday card to arrive from Dundalk and three weeks, three weeks and three days for my birthday card to arrive from Wexford. They were both posted on the same day and those messages are pouring into us as I speak. Keep them coming. I'll come back to it, I promise you, as we move through the show this afternoon. Now, you will have heard on our news and if you're keeping in touch with our social media as well, you will see that the uh, whole matter of keeping Christmas lights up 
is certainly uh, one that's taken off. And the parishes of Kildaki and Beliver, well, the parish priest there, Father Mark Mohan, is leaving the trees up to brighten the dark times, he said. It's great to hear. And many people have followed suit. In fact, my daughter Sarah was just saying to me early this morning that she noticed out and about yesterday walking that so many houses still have the lights and decorations up. And... It's the case as well in Andrea Mara's household. Good afternoon again, Andrea. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, I'll remind them about you. Should this is the woman behind one click, the sleeper lies, the other side of the wall. She's the most brilliant author and a regular guest of ours on Late Lunch. But Andrea, our Louise spotted that you were keen on this idea of keeping the light going through January and beyond, is it perhaps? Yeah, we'll see how we go. I think we'll know when we're ready, when we're able to cope with taking them down. But it just didn't feel like the time yet. And I think, I guess in any other year, January has that back to school feeling, a bit like a September feeling of, okay, let's clear everything out and put away the decorations and get rid of the last few mince pies and have some New Year's resolutions and look forward to the year ahead. Whereas obviously this year, a little bit different as we're, getting into our first day of homeschooling here all around the country. So it just felt like we weren't ready to take down the lights. So we, we left up our outdoor lights and some lights on the mantelpiece and a wreath on the front door and candles. And so not the really Christmassy Christmas things, like there's no tinsel anymore, yeah. but just the things that you could say give a bit of winter cheer and add a bit of coziness kind of like this whole Danish idea of hygge which I'm probably mispronouncing but this idea of candles and coziness at this time of year which I really really like. I like it. I do like it. And and you're I think you're spot on there. People like the, the Christmas tree, uh, the tinsel and all those type of decorations. But the light, candles, lights, just to give that bit of brightness to the place, because it is a dull, dreary time, January, Andrea. And it's a time when people get a little down. And, you know, with all the challenges we're facing at the moment, anything to brighten it up is to be welcomed. Do you find that, you know, where, where you're living, it, it, do you see others uh, of the same thinking? Yeah, yeah. Like if I go out for a walk at night or a run around the estate, I live in a really, really big estate in Dublin. And um, I'd say every third or fourth house still has some lights. And it's really, really lovely. And I think most people seem to have taken down the trees from what I can see. Not that I'm going around spying in windows or anything, of course. But, you know, you know, just these things. And um, perhaps like us, I mean, our tree was a dry husk with a bed of needles below it. So we absolutely had to take it down on Friday. It was just gone to pieces. So there's probably a lot of people for the same reason might have taken down their trees, but loads of lights up in all the gardens. And it's really, really nice to see. And it just yeah, gives you that extra bit of cheer. And out and about some of the shops and the public buildings have lights up still too. And God, I mean, we need it more than ever. The days feel weirdly long and weirdly short like it, you know for some people there's nothing to yeah. do and there's hours and hours to fill like my kids are finished their homeschool for this morning now and they're going what do we do for the rest of the day so in some ways the days are long but also in terms of darkness the days are really short like you know you're trying to fit in for everybody to get out for a walk or a bit of exercise but dark already by half four quarter to five so it's really really nice if you have to wait till nighttime to get out for a walk that there's still lights up 
everywhere, at least in some of the houses when you're walking around. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this and hoping lots of people around the country will do the same because anything we can do to cheer ourselves up this year is a good thing, I think. Here, here, I'm with you all the way. I'm just wondering when we should uh, let it run until, you know, the light is increasing every day. I mentioned it last week. There's about 15 to 20 minutes extra light since the shortest day already. But I think, Andrea, the time you really notice it is when February uh, clicks in and the first to second week then uh, of the second month, you really see the light coming at that stage. What about doing it up until then? What do you think? Is that a, yeah, would that be nice? Yeah. February, February midterm, which I guess is a date that many of the parents have subconsciously in mind as the kind of fingers crossed we might get back to school after the February midterm. And I know from when I was working full time, um, in, in an office job, I used to, the February midterm was when you'd first start to come out of work in daylight. So I think you're right. That yeah. does feel like the, the, the difference from winter into spring. So yeah, let's go for that. That might be the time to take down the lights. Let's do it, folks. The midterm. Andrea Maher is absolutely right. Before you go, the homeschooling, how is it going? Are they content enough with it? I'm sure they'd rather be in class, but we're doing this for a very important reason. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they're sad and they'd love to be in school, but they get it. I mean, kids are brilliant through all of this at just taking it on board and doing what they're being asked to do. And they're kind of, mine are saying, oh, it's all the kind of not good stuff of school, which is learning and uh, missing out on the fun stuff of school, which is seeing their friends. But they're just like ourselves, crossing everything that it's just for a few weeks and then they'll get back in there. So, so far, so good. Nobody's, you know, had a big tantrum or walked out or stormed out and slammed the door yet. But we are only halfway through day one of homeschool. So we'll see. Anyway, you're busy as well, I know, working on another bestseller. And please, God, we'll be talking to you nearer to the time when the uh, uh, the brilliant mind of Andrea Mara uh, is printed and the book is released. Always love talking to you. Take care of yourself and mind yourself. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Andrea Mara there, uh, the author. Listen to this. I had the opposite experience, Jerry. We're talking about oh, the pudding, Claire's pudding, 24 days before it arrived in last Friday to us. Uh, listener says, I had the opposite experience. I ordered from the UK with an expected delivery between the 15th and 20th of January. I was notified it would actually arrive on the 8th and Believe it or not, Jerry, I had it on the 7th. Uh, unfortunate for Claire, but at least it was a good pud and you'll enjoy it. Thanks indeed for the messages. Keep them coming to us. Is your or are your parcels on the way? Have they arrived? Are they delayed coming to you? Or have you sent them abroad like that a listener who was telling us about the delivery to Australia that hasn't arrived yet posted in November? Want to hear from you? 086-1800-658 and uh, you can text or WhatsApp me there. And the lights, what about the lights? Mid-February, are you with us on that one as well? Everyone's changing. Everything's changing. Keen was right. He could see it. He could see it. It was coming. Here he is. Yeah, Keen and everyone changes and we've had to change, really change this last 12 months. But please God, it'll change for the better as the year moves on. Woodlands Estate Lights will be staying on, Jerry, says Anton McCabe. Thank you very much indeed. Another one there from Mary. I received a Christmas card today. It was posted in Northern Ireland on the 16th of December. 
Wow. Hi, Jerry. Christmas tree still up and also outdoor lights up. It brightens up the dark days. My son Daniel went out and got more outdoor lights and put them up, says Hilary Lynch in Beliver. Thank you, Hilary. I posted, uh, there's another one. I read that one already to Australia. Uh, hello, Jerry. I posted a Christmas card to my grandchildren in Trim on December the 17th from Dunshockland and it only arrived this morning. Wow. My, oh my, the stories, they're flying into us. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658. News and weather on the way. But afterwards, we will be talking to the founder of Abacus School uh, for Children with Autism, Jacinta Walsh. Tree gone back up, Jerry, in the Purfield household in Carlinstown. We're loving the new Christmas session. <laughs> Isn't that just something else? Um, Beauty Box from Look Fantastic in the UK, a listener ordered from on Black Friday, which was, of course, towards the end of November. I still haven't received it. That's Anita, actually. Their Beauty Box from Look Fantastic in the UK, still not here from Black Friday. Um, Jerry, you might be able to help me. I live in Railway Terrace in RD. Yes, lovely place indeed. Two packages have arrived to my house for a Joshua Pepper. One railway terrace, Trotta. There is a railway terrace in Trotta as well. I'm sure, there's one in the dock too. It's where well, the railways are aware. Joshua Pepper, do you know him? Are you listening today? Do you live in one railway terrace in Trotta? A gentleman or a lady in railway terrace in RD has two packages for you. And they want to send them to you or get them to you. If you're listening or anyone knows that person, give us a shout. 1850 You can ring in the old phone. Very reliable as well. Or you can message me or WhatsApp me or text me on 086-1800-658. I have lots of messages to get to. God almighty, the stuff. Weeks, in some instances, months that hasn't arrived yet. But you heard Anna McHugh top of the show. It is unprecedented times. You've got to bear with it, folks. Bear with it for the time being. I'll come back to your messages, I promise you. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest to the show. She is the most wonderful lady. She is the founder of Abacus School for Children with Autism in Drogheda. She's a wonderful campaigner and she's a lovely son called Sam. Jacinta Walsh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Jacinta, I have spent a little time this morning reading. You put up a hell of a post on Facebook about this whole issue of special needs schools and their resumption. Jacinta, can I say this to you? Having read a few times what you had to say and trying to form an opinion on it, there are so many questions and still very few answers. Is that fair enough? It's just there's so many issues it's it's not a simple answer. It's not as and that's that's what I was trying to get across and trying to say, can we come up with some simple practical suggestions of how mainly the schools can open that that is the solution for the schools to open for special ed. But can they be done in a safer way? Is there uh, are there you know, simple practical things like if some people are able to drive their own children in and that reduces the load on transport if people are able or can additional transport be put on. Because that's a whole, people don't even think of that, but the school transport creates a whole extra layer of bubbles and connections and all the rest of it. Because you have, for example, all the kids, say in one school, you might have six or seven children from Town, and they get picked up on the Town bus with the escort and the driver and they drive into whatever school it is. And then all those six or seven children go to their respective classes but they're in a separate bubble with the teachers and the SNAs and the children in that class and then all their families. And when you start to write it down, you're, you're, you get into 
the amount of connections and contacts are huge. And that's what the government is trying to avoid, reducing the context, stopping this yeah. mass movement of people in education, which includes uh, children in the schools as well. But here's the thing, Jacinta, when I read what you have to say, there's a couple of things jump out at me. Um, you say that learnings haven't been taken from the previous lockdowns and what happened and that really the lack of preparation at this time is astounding that it was left so late in the day all the confusion that followed they are open they won't open they might the unions being involved as well who who are you aiming that at are you saying that to the minister I'm, to I'm, the department to be honest, I'm, I'm really well when you say aiming I'm not trying to I'm trying to come up with solutions rather than you know yeah. have it but I, it, they're, they're, the Department of Education like the individual schools have been making preparations as much as they could. You know, most schools have been trying to recruit and have substitute staff trained up and have a like a, a list of people, um, you know, ready for a, a situation where you would have reduced numbers of staff because maybe they would get sick and stuff. But I, there doesn't seem to have been any scenario planning like in October, November in the department saying, well, what happens if we have to partially reopen the schools? What ha- can- if this happens again, can we put in special ed? Or not? Can we do? Do you know what I mean? Working out if that was yeah. to happen, what do you need to have in place? Who do we need to have agreed? What with? Rather than mm. it was just literally heard it on the news, same as everybody else at um, six o'clock there on Wednesday. Was the first Could... any of us had heard about a partial reopening, and I'm not saying that most special education schools will be. It's not that we're not, but that absolutely it is, and it is and can happen, but it can't happen. At two days' notice, <laughs> and that—that's the difference, you yes. know. Yeah. No. Look, we hear what you're saying. Can I ask you this? Could yeah. Abacus have reopened in a fashion this week? I, I yes, probably. With same, we were we were planning to. We I, I was actually we were on a school board of management meeting on Zoom, going through the and the principal and the staff who have been working like maniacs all day trying to get um you know find out where everybody was in terms of children and staff and what would be needed. But us, like any many other schools, found that due to people having their own, possibly COVID themselves or in their family, or self-isolating, we were already down quite a few staff. We were trying to contact other staff. If we had, we had no answers to questions. Like, we didn't know what to say to staff if they said, um, and I still don't know, to be honest. If somebody said, "Listen, I, I genuinely have no childcare. I have my uh, I had expected to go back to school. I'm perfectly happy to come back to school, but suddenly my seven year old has no school. So, yeah, I, it may take me a week to put childcare in place. So, is there an option for unpaid leave? And if you're, this is the say, and it's not that this is unique to teaching staff or school staff. This is across. I absolutely this happens to everybody, but in other employment. This is where it gets met. You know, in other employment situations, your employer may may be able to give you unpaid leave for a week, or you could take some of your annual holiday in order to get it set up. But in a school, the annual holiday or schools holidays, you can't take it throughout the year, so you you don't yes. have that option. There is no, you know, there is a box maybe for exceptional leave for a couple of days, but then there's no definition of what is exceptional leave. There's no mechanism for the school to be able to grant that. So it's not that nobody wants to do it. Sometimes you just need tools to be able to, you know, put put things in place to find the childcare. You need to be able to have a few days off to get something set up. So yes. it, it's things, answers like that. And when I asked the department, they said, we don't know. 
We don't know the answer. And it's like, so that's, when you say, that's, can you that's open? It, it's like, of course we could, but we need to have the answers to, you know, would it be okay for us to open, say, that all children came in maybe four days a week, that would reduce the load 20% in each classroom and everybody yeah. would get four full days. Could there be three days on two days? Could you do, um, you know, as I say about transport? In, other, in some schools, uh, special schools, they may be very stuck for space. You know, could they, if, if the local primary school was closed, could they use some of their space and use their classes when they're closed? All sorts. Of, I'm trying to look at practical options to enable reopening, if that makes sense, within yeah. a, a level of risk that's acceptable. Yes, yes. Look, at it, it's, it's an unprecedented time. I say that again for everybody concerned. But I, I hear what you're saying. There is a lack of direction from the department who are at the very top of the pyramid and people are looking to them for advice on how to proceed. But you're saying to me that in a fashion, Abacus could have opened this week and had classes on. Well, we, we, uh, we for... were planning to open as were, as far as I, I don't know, any school that wasn't planning to open. You know, we, we got the instruction, we were, started working on it straight away and we were planning to open. There, there, but you no can't. About that. But you but, can't now. Um, we, at the moment, we can't. And no, you're, you're, you can't. And I know there's talks ongoing as we are speaking. Uh, there are talks ongoing. The minister is involved about this whole area about special education. It, yeah. it goes without saying, Jacinta, that the, the, the pressure on parents, uh, you know, the schooling is a fantastic outlet for the children themselves, but for families overall, the pressure must be immense. I know we're all under pressure, but nothing like this. Yeah, and I think this, it, it is a huge pressure and um, as we know, like many people with autism and lots of special needs, we all rely on our routines. This, this, everybody relies on their routine, but for people with special needs, like it, it, it just is, they may not be able to understand why there's a break in routine. Like there's, you know, I wouldn't be able to understand, explain to my, <laughs> to Sam what COVID yeah. was and what, you know, he, something is there or it's not, you know, so there's, um, it's a huge support. Even going to school, even partially being able to go to school will make a huge difference to families. Yes. And to uh, it's the uncertainty as well, you know, because the fear is that other school is going to be closed for months now. Is it, you know, is it the same as last year? Or will it be closed for the summer? But like, we know that's not the case. We know the vaccines are hopefully coming down the line, albeit more slowly than we would like, but they still are coming. But if there was some little degree of certainty, it would really help um, people be able to manage within their family and, and help explain things to their children. I hear what you're saying and I'm ho- I am hope uh, that people in positions of influence uh, hear what you're saying as well and act upon it sooner rather than later. It's a, a difficult, difficult time. But Jacinda, thank you for joining me today to explain, uh, you know, and, and be very fair, which you always are, but uh, all concerned. But it's time really to get all heads around the table and leadership from the department, which is the most important. We'll uh, keep in touch, Jacinda. Thank you so much. Hopefully. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Jacinta Walsh there, a wonderful woman, founder of Abacus School. And there are so many families and people listening to us today who who know what she's talking about there. How do you explain to these children that there is no school? Their routine is everything. They expect to be at school. They expect to go. They don't understand COVID whatsoever. But God, we need we need contingency plans. We need leadership. These are basic, basic things. And I come back to this again. I'm going to be talking about tomorrow to Paul Moyna. He'll be with us as usual. Top of the show, Professor Paul Moyna, the vaccination program, the rollout. I see in the UK, do you know this? 2.6 million is it? people have been vaccinated already. 
there, we just need to get this vaccination rollout really focused and really fast because it is needed ASAP. And front-facing uh, staff, like uh, teachers, should be among the priority categories as well uh, to receive a vaccination. There are so many categories, but teachers certainly are, are in vulnerable positions in classes uh, with a lot of people there and wouldn't be good to consider them for early vaccination. If you have an opinion, anything to say on late lunch, don't forget the numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text 1850-715 if you'd like, 715-958 if you'd like to call in. Up next on the show, Nikki Smith from Smiths of Drogheda posted a picture of a Ford Anglia it went wild. We're talking to him next. Jerry, it's amazing you brought this up at the start of the show, says a listener, because believe it or not, I've just opened my post and I've received two Christmas cards today that were posted before Christmas. Also, I ordered a hotel voucher on the 4th of December as a gift for somebody and it still hasn't arrived. I was in touch with the hotel and after numerous calls, they did email me a copy of the voucher on Christmas Eve, but I'm still waiting for the voucher itself. Keep those messages coming to us. I will be back to them. Now, the power of social media. Anyway, it's about to, it has been taken away from a fella called Trump in the States. I just see news breaking there that the second impeachment of Donald Trump is being introduced in the House of Representatives as we speak. So there you are. He'll uh, certainly be remembered, won't he, for all the bloody wrong things. Anyway, he's uh, he's removed from social media. But the power of social media, you can never underestimate it. You see, Nikki Smith from Smiths of Drogheda, an institution Ford to the core on the North Road in Drogheda, posted a picture of a Ford Anglia last week, and it went wild. And the man himself is on the line. Afternoon, Nikki. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. I never thought you were into this like Trump was of going wild on social media. But there you are. Things surprise you in life. But Nikki, seriously, the Ford Anglia, I was just looking at the ad, uh, best-selling car in Ireland. There was over 5,000 of them sold around the area you're talking about, late 50s, early 60s. Nikki, £535 new. A steal. <laughs> Steel is right. <laughs> Steel is right. Will you, will you look? Were you taken aback by the the love of this car and the reaction that it got? I was. Um, like I was astounded, but it, it was it was Joe Reed from Floorstyle who, who put it up on on Drogheda down memory lane, and mm. you know it, it was then that my phone started to beep because I'm on that WhatsApp group and there were comments coming. You know, my dad had won, my uncle had won. That was our first car. And, you know, it escalated from there and uh, then my friends were ringing me about it and, you know, plenty of texts. And then it appeared on another uh, motoring WhatsApp group for, for older cars, you know, vintage cars and that. So it appeared on that one as well. And uh, again, I'm, I'm a member of that one and I was getting plenty of notifications there too. So, Joe Reid, we could better credit Joe, uh, him of carpet fame and floor yes, coverings on George Street there in Drogheda, a great man. Joe set the ball rolling and, of course, it passed to you and the Ford connection. Talking to your dad and reflecting on Smith's history, uh, because I, I, I will remind listeners, the first ever Anglia was produced on the 31st of October, 39, and it had many guises up until it, it finished production in 1968. But it's that type of 60s version we're talking about, the Anglia, a very important family car. Was it big for Smith's? Well, you, you have to understand, Jerry. It's a, it's a tad before my time and yours. Yeah. So I had yes. to check with the with the chief uh, guru, yeah. motoring <laughs> correspondent, not Tony Conlon, but Tony Smith. 
So yes. my dad has given me some of the information because he remembers it vividly. Um, basically, the, 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 this particular model uh, was launched in September 1959. So the ad that appeared in the newspaper was 12 months later, which was 1960. So yeah. the vehicle that was produced, it was assembled in Cork in 1959, this model. And basically, every dealer in the country uh, had to had to go to Cork on, on a given Friday in September 1959. And each one of them was allocated uh, in Anglia. It was yellow in colour. And they had to drive it to their prospective dealerships, the length and breadth of the country, over the Friday night to have it at their dealerships for the Saturday morning for the national launch. So th- like that was an incredible feat back then. Yes. So there were 94 dealers back then. So some dealers got two. Obviously, the bigger dealers in Dublin and that would have got two. So there was 100 yellow Ford Anglias left Cork on that Friday night and, uh, you know, landed at the prospective dealerships, the length and breadth of the country for the Saturday morning launch. So that's, that's the story behind it. Brilliant. And and then, of course, like it was a big seller for Ford because over the lifetime of the car, I was looking this morning at it. It sold one point six million. You know, it was a huge, you know, when you think of those times, less cars on the road, you know, motoring only evolving at the time. Think of what one point six million would equate to today if you launched a a, a model like that. It'd be unbelievable. Nicky, it was really stylish, wasn't it? It was different. The, was, the model you're talking about, new, 59 model. The car of the era, you see. It, repla- it came from, okay, the Anglia was 20 years pr- previous and it replaced the Prefect and the Poplar and those. So we're coming up yeah. now towards, the, the, the next one of significance was the Mark I Escort. And, and that's when, yeah. when, when that took over from Anglia. But this was a car for the people back then. It was a, a mass volume seller. Um, like on that given Saturday in September 1959, uh, Smith's opened on the Saturday for business. The showroom was thronged. We had to open on the Sunday, my dad tells me, uh, which would be unheard of back then, Sunday trading. Yeah. But so, so so was the, the interest uh, and, and the desire to test drive uh, this new model. We opened on the Sunday that weekend. Wow. And when you look at it, there were a lovely range of colours in it as well. You could uh, pick and choose, I'm sure, what you wanted. And, and here's one for the listeners. Uh, 74 mile uh, MPH was the top speed. It went from north to 60 in 27 seconds, Nicky. You wouldn't be yeah. tearing up the road in her. No, no, you'd be trying to come down to the escort to give it a bit of a run. <laughs> 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 you would indeed. But you know, Nicky, I, I, living on the North Road beside you there where I was born and reared and, and being familiar with the car myself, I knew people who had them. I wonder if there anybody still has an Anglia today that you know. Do you know of anyone who has one still, a vintage? Um, I can't think of anybody. I just remember at the time, a uh, neighbour of ours in Maple Drive, Tom White, drove a series of Anglias. Ah, um, oh, Tom. Yeah, Tom did. Um, a, a schoolmate of mine, Mark Smith, who has passed on, uh, in, in the last couple of years Mark drove one uh, another friend mm. of mine Paul Mooney and Terman Fekin drove one that he inherited from his granny so there were you know lots, lots I, I do remember them on the road but um, yeah. I, it's a long time since I, I've come across one you know uh, being driven number one but even, even I don't know of anyone who actually has one I'm sure now as a result of this you know we're going to come across plenty because from time to time, people would come to the showroom and say, by the way, I've got an old Ford Popular or an old Prefect or Anglia, indeed, if you wanted to show it. So 
I'm sure this will generate and, and stir up some memories for people, you know. If you're listening today and you have an Anglia or you know somebody who has a Ford Anglia, give us a shout. 1850-715-958 or uh, get in touch with me via text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Oh, it's great. And memories, memories. And I can still see them. And they were a classic car. Just before you go, how, how's business? How are you getting on, Nikki, in the uh, current climate? Not easy for uh, no. car sales? Difficult enough for car sales at the moment, considering that January would be our busiest month of the year. And um, we're now down to to click and deliver uh, in our showroom. So technically, every 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 showroom is closed. Uh, you can go online, you know, have a look at a car, make an inquiry online or by phone. You could purchase it over the phone, and we can deliver it to you. Or indeed, vehicles that we had pre-sold uh, prior to Christmas, which we would have a, a huge order bank coming into the January period, we're still. Uh, allowed un- under the current restrictions to to for the customer to come and collect those cars. So basically, mm. that that's where we are on, until the thirty first of January till we see what what way the numbers go and what way the restrictions are for February. Exactly. And uh, reminding listeners, Smiths and all our wonderful motor dealers across the uh, northeast who are great friends of LMFM are open for click and deliver at this time. Nikki, you brought back great memories with the Anglia. Thank you so much for joining me today and good wishes to your dad, Anthony, and everybody at Smiths on the North Road. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Nikki Smith there speaking to me today about the Anglia. I'm sure there are vintage Anglia clubs. There's no doubt about that. There are vintage Anglia clubs there. Anyone with an Anglia, love to hear from you today on the show. Get in touch with us at the numbers I mentioned a moment ago. Now, before we head to our next break, I want you to have a listen to something. And Eamon Doyle brought this to my attention yesterday. And it's something I've been thinking about since the uh, start of the pandemic last year when I reflected on our parents and our grandparents and their lives and how they coped with all the issues in their lives, in this country, in the world they faced in their lifetimes. Folks, just stay quiet. Quieten yourself for a moment here now and listen to this. Imagine you were born in 1900. When you are 14, World War I begins and ends when you are 18 with 22 million dead. Soon after a global pandemic, the Spanish flu appears killing 50 million people and you are alive and 20 years old. When you are 29, you survive the global economic crisis that started with the collapse of the New York Stock Exchange, causing inflation, unemployment and famine. When you are 33 years old, the Nazis come to power. When you are 39, World War II begins and ends when you are 45 years old with a 60 million dead. In the Holocaust, 6 million Jews die. When you are 52, the Korean War begins. When you are 64, the Vietnam War begins and ends when you are 75. A child born in 1985 thinks his grandparents have no idea how difficult life is, but they have survived several wars and catastrophes. Today we have all the comforts in our new world amid a new pandemic, but we complain because we need to wear masks. We complain because we must stay confined to our homes where we have food electricity, running water, Wi-Fi, and even Netflix. None of that existed back in the day. But humanity survived those circumstances and never lost their joy of living. A small change in our perspective can generate miracles. We should be thankful that we are alive. We should do everything we need to do to protect and help each other. This message should reach everyone. Please help spread it. 
We should do everything we can to help and protect each other. That's what we should do. That's what we must do. When you think of that, World War I, the massive casualties, 50 million to the Spanish flu, the Wall Street crash, World War II and 16 million, including 6 million Jews, the Nazis. And some people say, well, we have it tough now. I'm not taking away from how tough life is at the minute, but compared to that, we have it good. Back in a minute. We had an Anglia, Jerry. Yes, we bought it in 1973. It was Navy. She was a beaut, a fantastic car. I think we paid £15 for it second hand. <laughs> when you think of the money. <laughs> Incredible, wasn't it? Um, Jerry, I went to school with Joshua Pepper. Yes, do you remember earlier in the show, uh, a listener in RD Railway Terrace has two packages for a Joshua Pepper addressed to one Railway Terrace in Drada. That's somebody who went to school. Haven't seen him in years, though. Um, sent a Christmas, Christmas card on the uh, 13th of December with a voucher in it, Jerry, to a very special friend. And she still hasn't received it. Oh, please, God, they will at some stage. We have made contact, I believe, with Joshua Pepper. Yes, I think there's been somebody. Yes, there has. Somebody's been onto us at the radio station. So we're making that connection. He's going to get his packages. Oh, the power radio, the power late lunch on LMFM. There's no bait in it. There really, really isn't. Now, let's move on on the show. And I really am delighted to speak to my next guest because it's been some time since we spoke. And the last time I met her, I'm nearly sure, well, she'll put me right on this one. I'm nearly sure sure is. Uh, I, I dropped down to the Crafty Fox and interviewed her and talked to some people there who were involved in many, many crafts. I want to say hello again this afternoon after such a long time to Jackie Jolliffe. Hello, Jackie. Hello. How are you, Jerry? It was that the last time when I went down to the shop? I think it was. And we were still in Shop Street then. And you came down one evening and into yes. one of the craft classes, um, into yeah. a sewing club, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. God, that's not today or yesterday. And now, of course, you're in Lawrence Street in Drogheda with the most beautiful uh, uh, shop there. Lawrence Street, is it? Yeah. It is indeed. Yes. Yes. Well, we're listen, three it's years, great I to... Think now, Jerry. Oh, I, three years. Where does the time go? It's lovely to talk to you again. Tell me this to begin. You know, you covered the gambit of crafts since pandemic. Let's take it late last March, right through last year into the present. Have you noticed a big upsurge in this? Or what's the story? Uh, I have. Now, it's, it's, we've, certainly online shopping has increased massively. So we have new customers since the pandemic from all parts of the um, country, from sort of Donegal down to Cork, you know, over to Galway. And the increase has been phenomenal. Um, I'd say our, our online sales have increased by two to three hundred percent during the year. Mm. So, in in that respect, we have certainly um, sales have increased, and people seem to be really uh, with their extra time. I presume they have at home. They're taking up crafts. I know they're taking up baking and you know watching Netflix more and things like that. But certainly, there is a surge in in the crafting as well. Knitting, embroidery, sewing, uh, quilting, all that type of stuff, patchwork. Is that, have I covered everything there? Would that basically be the, the core of your business? Well, traditionally, yes. Um, certainly the knitting, crochet and the, the sewing and quilting. But we've noticed in, in the past few months that 
um, different uh, crafts are making a particularly a comeback, I might say, because they're older crafts. So we noticed in, in the past year, for example, um, there's been a great interest in uh, macrame, which was huge in the 70s. Um, you probably remember seeing maybe pot plants hanging out at the ceiling in, in macrame, um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of wall hangings, you know. So um, macrame, punch needle embroidery is, a, is another craft that's very old and making a comeback. Um, when I spoke to um, Louise from LMFM there, she said, oh, I think my sister used to make um, fire screens from those. And they did. But um, they've become sort of much more contemporary, if you like. So there's there's like smiley face emojis and things like that that, that people can make from kits. Um, and latch hooking, which many, many years ago, uh, rug plan was, was very popular. But latch hooking is the same idea. And, and that's making a comeback. So as well as the traditional knitting, sewing and crochet, um, we now see a lot of other crafts uh, that seem to be... Uh, rising in popularity, if you like. And I think a lot of that is probably to do with um, the internet. Um, you know, Pinterest is brilliant for ideas, but if you keep an eye on the internet, you can sort of watch what's trending and what's becoming more popular. And, you mm. know, th- these are the ones that are becoming more popular at the moment. Needle felting it's also great. is another one that's become very popular. Yeah. So as well as the traditional ones, we have a whole range of, of new, the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's great and to embro- hear. Embroidery. It really is great to hear. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's another big one as well. But tell me yeah. this, you know, the way you were known as well for your teaching and your classes with people coming to yeah. you in person. Have you adapted to Zoom like the rest of the world or what are you doing there? Um, no, unfortunately, we haven't. Um, and it is something we'd like to do. But most of our tutors are external. So to, to be able to actually um, record classes and things like that, it would be nice to have them sort of in the classroom. And just at the minute, yeah. that isn't really possible. Um, okay. I think for people doing it, they can do it from home. And on the other hand, um, much and all, as I like the idea of it, we still very much like the personal touch so it's great to have people here and be able to to help them and we're looking forward to to being able to do that again but at the minute we haven't quite taken up the zoom on that (laughs) all right look at look fair juice to you it's uh, it's there for you down the road if you want to do it but i know you're very busy trying to keep everybody supplied and your reputation as a helpful uh, business it goes without saying anyone i ever talked to about you love you and love your people there and say you're the most helpful people ever i just wanted to say that and acknowledge oh, that to you, you today. Uh, no, that is so well known. Now, tell me this because there's a few little things I want to know myself. If you're yeah. talking about children taking up knitting, what age should you start them at? Is there an ideal age? Well, I wouldn't say there's an absolute ideal age. I'd, I'd say it very much depends maybe on the child. So, you know, and what their concentration levels are like. Um, so I think really six, seven is, is not a bad age to try and start teaching them to knit. But if they're not ready for it, you can always put it off for another year or two. Um, and I noticed that there are a lot of, you know, people buying knitting kits and little dolly mixed wool for, for children. And, and also we have, there's a range of books, my first book, and, and there's a lot of those being sold. So for teaching children how to knit. So I think it's, increasing in popularity and I think that's probably the right age six seven age. would be a nice age to okay. start about mm. here's the next thing how do you teach a left-hander <laughs> um, well with great difficulty I believe <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but some, some people have have 
done this where they sit in front of them and they're like a mirror image. Um, so, you know, even with crocheting that, we've had left-handers coming in and and been brilliant at crochet. But it does take them sometimes a little bit longer. But I think sometimes if you sit in front of them and they're watching you, they, they just copy what you're doing. It's, it's something worth trying anyway with somebody who's, yeah. who's left-handed. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing I know. But listen, left-handers make great knitters and crafters and everything. I'm not saying that. It's just a little nuance, if you know what I mean. They'll be on to me. All the lefties will be on to me saying, discrimination, discrimination. (laughs) (laughs) The the other thing is, is this. Is it fair, and I better be careful here in saying this, do any boys or men take up knitting of the crafts? Have you seen that at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of men come in and they've come in, they've done crochet um, they have done sewing. Um, they would be the more popular ones that we've had men on. Um, and we have, you know, we have a man who is now waiting for the next quilting class. So, yes, they, they, they do come <laughs> in. Not, not in a, obviously great numbers, but they certainly do. And when they come in, um, you know, they fit in very well with the rest of the class. You know, it, it, it's always good to have a nice mix. <laughs> Mm. For for you, you have such a range as well, and you facilitate so many crafts, of, as as you've just mentioned there, and, and new ones that are coming on stream. How are you faring out with your suppliers uh, here in Ireland? I take it it's reasonably okay. Do you you do, do you import? Has that been an issue for you? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is definitely at the moment. Um, so we would have, um, as you say, Irish suppliers for sure. And we also have European ones, which I'm hoping won't be any issues with those. But we do have some UK suppliers. And at the moment, um, it's quite difficult, to be honest. And a lot of them are holding back to wait and see how, um, you know, how much paperwork has to be done. And, um, so all of them are telling us that we won't have any supplies maybe until maybe maybe February. So I'm quite worried because we're selling a lot of um, yarn and things that we need to restock on. And um, we may have a delay. There may be a delay. But they're, they're all hoping that they will get over these issues and that we'll have a better stream of deliveries coming, you know, going forward. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see, I think, a little bit. It's, it's, it's a bit of a wait. Yeah, play it. Play it by ear, yeah. We're hearing, uh, we've been talking earlier in the show about posts being delayed uh, all over the place, packages and letters at the moment. And, and uh, we heard top of the show from Anna McHugh from on post that it is just a fact of life with the volumes and the impact of COVID all over the world at the moment. Now, tell me, the Aran sweater, the old cable stitch, you know yourself. <laughs> yes. Is it a thing of the, is it a thing, yeah. is, is it a thing of the past or is it something that's still alive and well? Oh, no, very much alive and well. Um, there are fabulous iron books um, that we have here that sell a lot. Um, that we sell a lot and also the individual patterns, but also iron wool. It, there's some fantastic iron wool. We get a lot from Donegal Studio, which is obviously in the west of Ireland. And um, we sell a lot of that. So people are still knitting irons and they're still popular. And I think about two or three years ago, they were very big on the runways. Um the, the difference, I suppose, is that there is a bigger range of colours now. So we have lovely mm. Aaron Merino wool here and you get in the pinks and pale blues and, you know, not the traditional colours. So the traditional colours are still there, but there are also contemporary colours now to choose from. I'm going to put an order in for that wool with somebody that I live with who's a, a fanatical knitter. You've just given me a thought now. I think that would look <laughs> nice. Pink merino on me, wouldn't it? I'm just trying to envisage it here. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> Jackie, you know, you're, you're great. You really are. And you've developed a wonderful business. You deserve great credit for it. And please, God, with uh, weeks and months uh, ahead of us, uh, that will be challenging, but that soon you will be reopened and open those doors again. But in the meantime, you are online, the craftyfox.ie. That's the important address, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jerry, for the plug. I appreciate it. Yes, indeed. And, and, and we're still sending out orders every day. That is the thing. So if you need uh, anything in the uh, area of crafts, Jackie and her team are there to help you and to get it out to you. And finally, I'll say to you, we talk about at this time of, you know, occupying ourselves, having an interest, focusing on things. People watch movies, they listen to music, they read. But the crafts, Jackie, brilliant for whiling away the time, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. It's also been proven to... um you know, help with your mental health and well-being. So they say it, it improves it and, uh, you know, because you're, you're concentrating on something. And then you get, of course, um, a great sense of achievement when you actually finish something. So it, it is very, very, very good for people, I think. You too could have that pink Aaron, but not before mine is made. Don't be jumping the queue now here. I'm just warning you today. Anyway, Jackie, good luck to you. And again, to mention the website, thecraftyfox.ie. Thank you and good wishes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Wonderful lady. Well, I remember going down that evening. It's a while ago to meet them as they were busying themselves. It's wonderful. And, you know, in Ireland, she mentioned uh, crochet there and Carrick Macross Lace. I remember going out to interview a lady near Cloughhead many moons ago again um, in a series I did about forgotten crafts. And she was a lace maker and the intricate work she did and their skills that will come back now and t- can be taught to uh, new generations and it'll perpetuate it as well. Another upside of ha- having to relook at our lives at this time. There are upsides. There really are, folks, for sure. Do you knit? Are you a knitter? What about this uh, lovely uh, chat we've just had a few moments ago with Jackie? If you've anything to say to us today on the show, you're always welcome to contribute to Late Lunch. 86 658 WhatsApp or text me to the show. Or you can call in now on 1850-715-958. Back in a moment with more of your comments. Your comments are pouring into us this afternoon. We love to hear from you. And of course, there are so many people at home. Don't forget, LMFM are with you all the way here on your local radio station in Meath and Louth. And we're with you from early in the morning. You have the boys in the morning, the crack with Christy and Seamus. Michael Reed coming on after that as well to deal with the hot topics of the day. Then Sinead, 11 to 1, and ourselves on Late Lunch, followed by Eddie at Great Music. And right on into the evening with Sean Carey. We have it all here for your news and sport as well. We'll be with you and are always with you all the way especially at this time. Jerry, the Aaron Cardigan is back in fashion. It was on the TV the other night, was it? I didn't see that. Nice to hear there you are. We're on the ball is right. Shawnee White, Jerry, has a Ford Anglia in Galrousetown. He did work at Drogheda Hire, I know. Shawnee White has one. Oh, we'll have to come back to that another day on the show. Hi, Jerry. the new COVID restrictions, does it mean that a potential car buyer cannot do a test drive even if the car is sanitised? You can't can't do the test drive I know all the preliminary queries are done online but I prefer to complete the sale by test drive how else would you get to know the car really you won't be able to do it at this time David honestly you really won't yeah Gavin James on late lunch this Monday afternoon 
with faces. And of course, Gavin, great Irish performer and on LMFM radio. We're only delighted to promote Irish here on the station. Now, let me remind you that, well, soccer, soccer in the Premier League is on and is continuing. And don't forget that you can listen to live commentary of all next Saturday's Premier League matches on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. The action starts with a big Birmingham derby between Wolves and struggling West Bromwich Albion and our coverage is brought to you by Now TV, home of the Now TV Sports Extra Pass. Yes, the Premier League, it's a great race this year, isn't it? Very tight. God knows who could win it. Fancy City. I think City are dark horses at this stage. They're coming up on the inside and everybody else is blinkered and not watching them. (laughs) Do you think they're not watching them? Of course they are. Anyway, big Premier League soccer. You can listen in here on local radio on the app or on lmfm.ie. Jeremy, I posted 52 Christmas cards in Kells Post Office on the 14th of December. And they all only arrived on Wednesday, the 6th of January, all round. The annoying thing was they were dated the 4th of January on the postmark. There you go. Big volumes of post. Jerry, I ordered a parcel from China on the 5th of uh, January and it was delivered this morning. It wasn't due until March. Oh, the Chinese, you can't pay them. I won't mention the war in Wuhan. Um, another one there, waiting for news on a blood test, Jerry. since the 4th of December, never got it. Ka- Katrina in Drogheda, on to me there. You will be waiting, I'm afraid, with the uh, crisis in health service at the moment, unfortunately. Here's another one. Jerry. we do have it easy compared to our parents, grandparents and great-grandparents. People need to get back down to earth and listen to what is happening to people around the world, between famines, earthquakes, and now this virus, and other world disasters, including our sea and animals, forestation, etc., our environment, we're destroying it. We need to wake up to what's important, Jerry, which is family, friends, helping your neighbours, and appreciating what we have, as we have become a throwaway society. And I think, and we think we're entitled to so many things, And we don't say please or thank you. Don't even say hello to people anymore. We need Jerry to get back to basics. I like that message. Very true words there. Keep them coming to us. They're flooding in this afternoon from you in late lunchland. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Still to come on the show. Yes, my featured artist of the week this week is... David Bowie will be hearing from David after three and we'll be talking to Cathy Marr from Haven Pharmacy what to do and what isolation is really about if you're unwell. News, weather and sport next. So you might have thought the idiots who stormed the Capitol buildings in Washington last week are confined to the United States and Trumpites. We listened to the news there, that crew that headed for the border yesterday. They're here, they're among us. But I'll tell you one thing that's going to come out of this whole thing for sure. Social media is about to change. And the rain is about to be put on the social media companies around the world and has to be. Because anybody can say anything they like and develop conspiracy theories to beat the band. And unfortunately, there's a lot of mankind are so vulnerable and gullible that they believe them. Watch this space especially in the States when Biden comes in. I know they took action, Zuckerberg and his mates, 
They took action too late on Trump. They should have taken it years ago. But they have to be controlled by the people elected by us governments. They, it's not the uh, other way around. The boot's on the wrong foot. But that's coming. It's coming sooner than you think. Back to your comments. Who sent me that picture of the pink Aaron? It's gorgeous. Whoever you are. Thank you. Picture of ourselves in a pink Aaron. Jerry, I did that in 16 days. Wow. It's beautiful. Pat was on to say he got a Christmas card last Easter for the previous Christmas. The card came from two miles away. (laughs) Jeff Leslie, you're a happy man today. Jeff has won a Mercedes. A Mercedes car, it's worth 60 grand. His dad and his mum and his two sisters and his girlfriend, Emma. His girlfriend, Emma, was on to say, congratulations, Emma, you look well, I'm sure, on the front of that new Merrick. John believes special education. Jerry, we're talking to Jacinta Walsh earlier. Yes, children in special education and staff should be prioritised for the vaccine. Thank you, John. Jerry, I'm just sitting here knitting a narin for my three grandchildren for St. Patrick's Day. Good on you. Good on you. That's great to hear. Jerry, the Aaron Cardigan is back. It's back big time. That lady or whoever told you about it being on TV is right. It is back. Um, here we go with another one. Uh, Jerry, how come people are working on building sites across the northeast? There's no social housing going on in some of these sites. I want to pose that question to the government. Surely this should be policed better, says a listener. I posted 52 cards, says another listener in Kells. They only arrived on the 4th of January. I think I read that one for you before. Here's another one. Hi, Jerry. We sent two parcels, presents to family in Belgium on the 11th of December in time to be received for Christmas. They've still not received them. And when we tracked the parcel on, on Post website, it shows us having gone from Drogheda to Dublin to Port Leash and then reached and left the Heathrow UK Transit Hub on the 21st of December at 9.57 and no other tracking information is available since. Maybe it's still on a lorry from the UK, but I would not have expected it to go via London at all, especially with Brexit. Is there not a direct postal link to mainland Europe from Dublin at this stage? Understandable, there is a lot of pressure and difficulties from post staff with the COVID, etc. So hopefully it will eventually get there. But disappointing for the children not to receive their gifts by now, says Nicola. Thank you, Nicola. I hope you can track that a little further. You should. You should try and see where that is. It's an awful situation. No presents arriving. Now, my featured artist of the week this week, there can only be one. It's Mr. Well, when I tell you his name first, I won't give you his real name. It's Mr. David Robert Jones. And that, of course, is David Bowie. And he would have been 74 yesterday. He was born on the 8th of January 1947 and he died on the 10th of January 2016, five years ago. I was looking at his catalogue of songs last night. Oh, my word. This man produced some music. Brilliant. Anyway, the song I've chosen today as my first track from my featured artist, David Bowie, is from the album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. It was the lead single. And the song is a message of hope to Earth's youth through the radio. Here it is, David Bowie and Starman. Yeah, David Bowie, my artist of the week, and Starman. Jerry, what was the name of the video you played about the man speaking about the pandemic? It's called Imagine You Were Born in 1900. Look it up. Imagine You Were Born in 1900. Google it. 
Imagine you were born in 1900. Google it and you'll be able to listen to it again. Really true words. Listening to Late Lunch, which I enjoy, says Teresa. I thought I'd mention my grandmother, Nora Goldrick, crocheted a beautiful white bedspread, which I now have. It must be over 100 years old. She once told me when I asked her how long it took to make it, it took over five years. as She had to wait five years for the cotton thread to come into a shop as it was the war time. Now, there's hardship for you. It really is. Late lunch, LMFM radio, final break of the afternoon. And after the break, we're joined by Cathy Marr to talk about self-isolating. Cathy Marr from Haven Pharmacy, great friend of Late Lunch, is on the line. Afternoon, Cathy. Hi, Jerry. Happy New Year. Many happy returns to you, Tom, and everybody in Haven. Let's get quickly to business. The difference, Cathy, just for listeners, we're thinking about this, to tell us what is the difference between self-isolating and restricting your movements? Thanks for covering that, Jerry. It's a, it's, a, it's a funny one. And as we are now entering the phase where we nearly know someone who has COVID at any one time, like the numbers are so prevalent, it's really important to get the difference right. To self-isolate, it's for someone who has either tested positive, they have symptoms, um, and they need to self-isolate. And that means to stay away from other ones, to stay in your room. To If you're waiting for a test appointment and you have symptoms of COVID, you also need to self-isolate. Um, and by staying in your room, you need to stay at home, use your own bathroom, don't go to work, don't go to college, um, avoid all gatherings of any sort. But what's really important is if you can, in a room on your own if possible, with the window open if you can, and not to use, not to share a bathroom if possible, to use your own bathroom, not to go outside if you're self-isolating unless you have your very own outdoor space that you can be away from other people, that you need to really, if possible, not go outside for, for anything really. And for eating, it's hopefully there's a family member to bring food to the door, you can leave your belongings back outside the door that really self-isolate is to remain in your room for 10 days for at least five days fever free or 10 days after the symptoms first onset. Okay and it is as simple as that and as strict as that that is what you must do there is no deviating from that but if you're asked to restrict your movements there is a little more latitude there. A little bit of difference there and then I'll also cover then what to do if you're living with someone who's self-isolating or you're caring for someone who needs to self-isolate. But to restrict your movements, the difference there in the criteria we have there is you are asked to restrict your movements if you're a close contact of someone who's tested positive. And that's not necessarily if the HSE has contacted you to say that you're a close, close contact or that the app has alerted you. The, pre- the system is under immense pressure at the minute, as we know. So what we're asking, if someone believes they are a close contact of someone who has been identified as COVID positive, that that close contact restricts their movements for 14 days from the last point of contact with that person. And by restricting movements, it means that you stay at home, you stay indoors, you don't go to work or well, school isn't on at the minute, and you completely avoid other people. It's not restricting yourself to that one room with the window open. If you have no symptoms, um, we can just assume that you're a close contact. And when you develop symptoms, we would recommend that you contact a GP and be referred for testing. But it's also really important to remind people if they're close contacts that staying at home also means not popping to the shop, just get something quickly, mm. even if you have a mask on, not popping to the pharmacy, just to pick something up to maybe alleviate your symptoms, not popping out at all. If it's something is absolutely necessary, ask a friend, a family member or a neighbour or someone to drop something at the door. 
Um, it goes without saying, obviously, not to have any visitors to the home, whether you're self-isolating or self-restricting. And come back to the point you were going to make about back to the isolating and, and what you must do with self-isolation. When you're living with other people, you must avoid all contact, stay in that room. What must they do? What do you say to people who are living with somebody who is self-isolating? I suppose when we think about people who are living with someone who is self-isolating, if we are, if someone is staying in their room, um, try, if you really must go into a room, so say if you have a sibling or a parent or a partner self-isolating in a room and you must go in, try and keep a distance of at least two metres wearing a medical face mask. So the surgical masks you and I have spoken to before, putting it on and taking it off and destroying that surgical mask when, when the, the room has been left. Um, the person themselves, the patient, should be also wearing a mask if they have to come. They really, really must come into contact with someone. Obviously, as I've said, not to share things with other people. That includes any of the utensils, towels, bedding, anything else. Dishes should be left out at their bedroom door if they can. And someone, when they're going to pick up the dishes from the bedroom door, it's wear gloves. Put the dishes into a dishwasher if you can and put them at the hottest cycle. Or if you don't, wash dishes hot, soapy water, wear rubber gloves, leaving dishes to air dry and washing your hands before and after. And a lot of this comes back to the mainstay of washing your hands. When it comes back mm. to cleaning your bathroom, again, just really, really scrupulously clean. Um, bedding and everything. When the person exits self-isolation, everything then leave for 72 hours and then wash at the highest temperatures. But when we think then of others that we need to care for if they're self-isolating, so it might be a child, might be an older person or someone with a disability that needs a lot more help with daily activities such as washing, eating, toileting. So there is a massive risk there to everyone else in the household. So it's up to everyone else in the household to take guarantees to make sure that they reduce that risk. And that would be down to wearing masks, wearing gloves if possible, um, making sure that the room is well ventilated, limit movement within the house. So if you must be in contact with someone who's self-isolating but needs caring, that you limit the movement within. So maybe they'll stay to a shorter space within the home. But also people who are caring for someone who cannot self-isolate as a close contact, they're recommended to be restricting their movements for 17 days, not just 14 days. So that's 10 days from the onset of symptoms from the person who's COVID positive an additional seven days from anyone else in that household. And that's really important. And all of this, we're seeing these numbers that are escalating. We're trying to really reduce the spread. Mm. And it is so important to take this on board, folks. That's why we're talking to Cathy today, because the new strain is very contagious. There's one from the UK. There's another South African angle on this as well. And mm. this is the issue as well, along with the COVID that's been here with us for uh, some time. I suppose a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, we were hearing about 10% of cases were the new strain. Last week, it was 25%. And just the latest news bulletin that I saw a little few moments ago, that the new strain is anticipated to be at a 45% rate in Ireland. Ireland is now the fastest growing rate in the world at the minute. So it's up to all of us to limit our movements, wash our hands, be aware of our casual contacts, be aware of our close contacts. And if we are asked to restrict our movements, to do that, that being at home means absolutely being at home. Being lots at of home. services are delivering, lots of services are leaving at doors. We can all manage to do this if we look after each other. Cathy, well said. We'll be back to you again, I'm sure, shortly. Thank you so much for that invaluable uh, uh, pointers and advice on the show today. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye, Jerry. That's Cathy Marr there from Haven Pharmacy in Dulik. May sound extreme. 
It is extreme. It is needed. Heed what Cathy has had to say. Anyway, that's a lot on Late Lunch today. Thank you so much for all the messages you've been sending in to me. Really do appreciate it. Tomorrow on the show, Professor Paul Moyne about COVID and the vaccine. Tony Conlon's here with his first motoring feature of 2021. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with a wonderful drive. Great music on the way. Have a nice evening. Come back. Join us for Late Lunch Tuesday, 1.30. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and delivery only through our website blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.